0: The following program is a rebroadcast from the archives of Jim Nader's NPR syndicated series, Magnificent Obsession. Support for Magnificent Obsession, True Stories of Recovery from Alcohol and Drug Addiction is provided by the LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management. The LRC Group provides comprehensive wealth management services and investment counseling. For more information, 800-879-3246. The LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management Member NYSE SIPC. Further support is provided by the Body Law Firm. The Body Law Firm provides comprehensive legal representation in the practice areas of commercial litigation, criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. For more information, 630-573-8585.
1: Support for Magnificent Obsession is provided by C4, the Community Counseling Centers of Chicago. Since 1972, C4 has dedicated itself to providing experience and expertise that heals and helps men, women, and children who are struggling with mental illness, substance addiction, emotional trauma, and the aftermath of violence. For more information, go to c4chicago.org. C4, the art of healing life. And support is provided by the levine rabin Group at RBC Dane Rauscher in Vernon Hills. The Levine-Rabin Group provides comprehensive wealth management services and investment counseling. For more information, 800-879-3246. The Levine-Rabin Group at RBC Dane Rauscher, member NYSE SIPC.
2: Immediately I got there, and I went looking for heroin, and I uh, couldn't find it. But lo and behold, I found crack cocaine. Okay it was very prevalent out there. So in a matter of two months, I had smoked Thousands and thousands of dollars away. I mean, a, a lot. I would max out the cash station card every day and buy cocaine with it. And then, you know, maybe when I had about 500 left, I, f- I finally got onto a heroin connect. Then I would smoke the crack and, and do the heroin as well. And I was in bad shape. And I called my parents and I said, uh, I, I was crying. I said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to kill myself. And so they believed me because, you know, I didn't talk about it, but I've, att- I've attempted suicide in the past. I, I, I overdosed, I've cut my wrists, I've done every other thing because basically I can't stop using drugs. I'm up on a tire wire
3: One side's ice and one is fire It's a circus game with you and me I'm up on a tire road. One side's hate and one is hope, but the top hat on my head is all you see. And the wire seems to be the only place for me, a comedy of everything. Up in the spotlight, oh, does it feel right? Well, the altitude seems to get to me. I'm up on a tight wire, fling by life and the funeral pyre.
1: I'm Jim Nader, welcome to Magnificent Obsession, true stories of recovery from addiction. Although many of our guests make reference to or are members of support groups, Magnificent Obsession is not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous, Rational Recovery, or any public or private treatment center. Today, the second and concluding chapter of Randy's story. Our program format is simple. All we ask is what was your life like then, and what is your life like today?
2: didn't go over and I, I got kicked out. And so my parents let me live on the street. And I said that was the most painful thing for them to have to do. But I was sleeping on uh, park benches, you know, and uh, I would uh, do whatever to get, you know, I had uh, a little bit of money and I, would, I couldn't afford. Uh, extensive like crack or heroin which of course I would have preferred but you know I had money for vodka and that was uh, and then I had uh, tons of medicine because I had been seeing psychiatrists all the while throughout uh, my life and would me thinking I'm slick and my old counselor used to say you think you think you're slick but you're sick you think you're cool but you're a damn fool and they always say that, and I still remember that because I, I really thought I was, I was slick. I would read the DSM-3R, which is the diagnostic thing for doctors, and I would see what uh, Adivan or Xanax or Percodan was used for, and I'd memorize the symptoms that they would give this for, and then I'd go to the doctor and present my case saying my symptoms are blah, 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 knowing that end result I would be prescribed Xanax or Percodan for. You know, and so I, I was doing this over over and over, multitudes of doctors. And uh, so, you know, I, again, I just probably went back, but this is all, like, real important stuff. That just all this all this bottom hitting had to do. I, I hit bottoms when I thought I hit a, a bad one. I hit one lower. So I was on the park bench for a while, and I was sleeping there, and I was uh, I was drinking, and I was taking uh tons of tranquilizers and narcotics and all that stuff. And then one day I I'd uh I really don't remember, I guess I was in a blackout but I, I went back in and and near fight with the doorman there or whatever and so I went to my parent my parent I guess someone in, in the building went and told them that look your son's laying on the street down by the this nice hotel down the street, uh laying there. Maybe you ought to go get him. He looks like he's going to die. <laughs> and uh, it turns out, yeah, I was going to die. I had overdosed. I, I didn't know. I lost, this wasn't deliberate or anything. Was, I, I attempted uh, to to just, I lost more and more control every time I relapsed. Or just more, not even really relapse. It was just like a continual thing. Like Once a week, I would lose one tiny degree of more control until the point of where I took so much that I was laying on the street. And my parents came and, and took me and they was like, "Would well, you want something to eat? My mom took my pulse and my heart was uh, about to go. Like, you know, real slow beats or whatever because I had taken an immense amount of narcotics. And so they took me to the hospital, you know, which I'm not a stranger to. You know, I, I had... Uh, many many psych ward experiences and this was yet another so i ended up in the emergency room pumping my stomach and then you know uh when you take narcotics it's really hard to urinate so and plus i was so screwed i just catharized me i don't care i mean that's you know that's how, how how royally messed i was i didn't care if if they did that so anyway i uh went to the hospital got my wits about me And uh, they uh, detoxed me from uh, narcotics and and tranquilizers and alcohol. And I got in touch with the guy who was my my first sponsor. And he's the one who, uh, he told me, he taught me everything that I need to know. Or not everything, most everything. Which is, uh, he's the one who first told me I didn't have a defense that I can't remember the pain and suffering and humiliation of a day or a week or a month ago. And he told me, too, that uh, the problem of the Alcoholic and Drug Act centers in the mind. Which is, oh my, you mean my thinking isn't right? Well, well, yeah. He says to me, he says, uh, if drinking and drugs are just a symptom of the problem... Then sobriety is a symptom of the solution. What? Well, I guess that made sense to me. I, mean, I didn't really and I started he was big on the steps too. And I'm I'm now in a in a twelve step program and I credit that to to being my solution, along with my higher power. And, you know, it says too that uh People think faith means uh, weakness, and then it also goes on. Paradoxically, uh, the way of faith, it, it means courage and strength. All men of courage have faith, and that was, that was like, okay, because I, I didn't want to be branded some religious zealot or, or some kind of off-the-wall guy who found God to relieve him of his smack habit and blah, blah, blah. Well, there was all sorts of i mean different things that he he's told me and it's just i found that I've been reading this book and' it's it's, it's all in there everything he says and uh just uh there's there's a ton a ton more tons more things you know after the Two months of sobriety. Well, I got a taste of it. Well, I thought that entitled me to to drink because I'm a heroin addict. I, I can drink alcohol. And then I proceeded after that to get just as bad with alcohol as I ever did with uh, hard drugs. And so this it just that entitled me cause this little amount of sobriety, and that that made it okay for me to drink. So that you know, I found out that I got alcoholism, that it's a progressive disease, and it, alcoholism, it's, it's more or less in the mind. Is. It's not, uh, sure, I'm a heroin addict, but I'm an alcoholic because I, I've, I'm selfish and self-centered.
3: Slow down, Joe. Anybody ever tell you that you're Anybody ever tell you how to make a good thing last? Cause it ain't like that. First you gotta slow. Last night I was talking to some friends of mine AJ's afraid
2: I couldn't get in touch with my selfishness and self-awareness until I did the, the fourth step in the program of recovery, which is writing down a personal inventory. And then when I got to the column, how am I to blame? Oh, wow. That uh, I was to blame in 90% of uh, every problem I've had. You know, I resent this guy because he did this or that, and then I looked at it. Well, he wouldn't have run away with my $100 if I hadn't given it to him for crack cocaine. Wow, that was a, that was an amazing uh, revelation to me. You know I got in touch with that and then uh, I was scared about doing that that fifth step of the program of recovery that I'm in. Just talking to a, a guy about uh, you know your sponsor usually can be a, a priest, whoever you feel comfortable with. I just I was terrified, you know and I read in this index it says uh, the fifth steps about integrity well, I don't know much about integrity at that point. I'll tell you that. Integrity. Well, I would uh, make people perceive that I had integrity until I could stab them in the back, and uh, that was just the, that was the basis of my life. And then we got to the the fear column, and you know, oh wow, I had I had an immense amount of fears. You know that I mentioned before the fear of failure, the fear of Uh, that I'm too sick for help. That was a big fear that I, I don't know if I, if you can help me, you know? And, uh, I said, your higher power can do anything. And, uh, compared to the guys who wrote that book, they're, you're probably close, but not, not as bad, pretty close, but not as bad. So, uh. You know, through that spiritual experience, there are three pertinent ideas that you have to be convinced of, or that I have to be convinced of, to go on with the program. And that is, a, that I'm alcoholic, can't manage my own life, that I'm a drug addict, whatever. To substitute alcoholism for heroin or cocaine or crack or whatever the heck you do, it works. Um, that's my solution. And uh, b, that probably no human power could relieve my uh, alcoholism. See, God could and would if you were sought. And uh, I found out through the fourth step, too, that I had a big resentment towards God. That uh, I was brought up Presbyterian, which was more or less a, a liberal type of uh, religious training, but I was forced to go to Sunday school and the church and all that. And then they imposed upon me this belief of, of God is... Whatever they impressed upon me an idea that I didn't like, and um, so then when he told me it was a matter of uh, of your own conception of this higher power, whether it be God, Buddha, Jah, the program I'm in doesn't care who your God is as long as you have one. That's you know that's basically what I put it to me. And I like that, because I I didn't go for this punishing uh, damn to hell type of uh, power. I I just couldn't relate, because, you know, my my old phrase all the time was, if if there's a hell, I'm going in it and taking over. And uh, that was like my motto, you know, live fast, die young, uh, leave a beautiful corpse, you know. So anyway, I've got uh, ten months clean, and this life I tell you it's more fulfilling than anything I've ever dreamed of. I'm starting to like myself again, starting to love myself again. I'm learning how to have a relationship with other people. I'm learning how to how to live my life because I started using drugs when I was fourteen i i I stunted my growth emotionally since Age of fourteen, so theoretically I'm fourteen years old in a twenty-five year old's body, and, and so I don't know how to have relationships with people. I don't know how to love people. I don't know how to love myself, and you know, and dishonesty. I've been practicing that for so long; it just almost comes naturally now. Just someone will say something to me, and I'll have, I'll say a bold, bold-faced lie, and it's just automatic. And then I catch myself. And then oftentimes, like I have to do now in sobriety, I have to eat crow. Because I don't want to get high anymore. I've had enough. For me to drink and use drugs is to die. And, uh, you know, I'm not ready for that yet. And and just this life is so fulfilling. And through the steps of this twelve-step program, this compulsion to drink and use has been lifted. And that is the most beautiful thing. I mean, so I'm not struggling white-knuckling. Because when I was in treatment before I was nine, you know, 1990s, and you're going to get this spiritual awakening and stuff like that. Well, I would sit there, you know, I made it two months or whatever, but uh, I'd sit there and I'd just rub my hands together and say, oh, boy, where's this spiritual experience? Where's the burning bush? I'm, I, mean I'd Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's going to hit now any, any time now, and I'd be sitting there having a bad time. And it wouldn't happen. I'd get so frustrated, I would get high. And, the, and it was just... But the beautiful thing is, for me, there's a solution. And for anyone, I think, who, who wants the help, it's, it's out there. And, and there is a solution for all of us who have the drug problem and alcohol problem, if, if we're honest. And I'm not combating anything except my selfishness and my self-centeredness. That means uh, helping an old lady across the street. That means when an alcoholic or a drug addict calls me, at 3 in the morning, and I'm having sex with my girlfriend, that means I've got to stop and talk to them. Boy, that's, that's uh, not easy, I'll tell you. But I'm terrified to get high again. And, and so that means that I have to destroy my selfishness and my self-centeredness. That means by any way possible, that means uh, holding a door for someone. Because I just let the door slam in their face before and laugh about it. Look at that jerk. Ha, ha, ha. Pretty funny. You know, I can take three seconds out of my day and hold the door for, it. and you know what? I feel good about it. And and that's how the compulsion is gone. Just me constantly destroying the root of my problem. And and through that, I'm not struggling anymore. And and this life is, it's like you know, I'm learning how to live all over again. I'm learning how to how to do different things. I I uh, just made I'm learning how to make my bed again. I'm learning how to vacuum. I'm learning how to do simple things that people take for granted that i i never had to do or never did or never cared to do and it's just i'm i'm happy now for the first time in my life i can look in the mirror and i've uh some old resentments have gone away i've, I've made amends to a, a mess of people and gotten incredible results and then in the amends process it's it's uh for me, it doesn't. It's not an overnight issue. Cause I cried wolf for five, six years. I want help. I want help. It's when I need something, and then you give me five bucks, and I, I'd, I'd want uh, help with that uh, Jack Daniels on the top shelf of the liquor store, until I had my parents sit there and listen. Oh, maybe he's serious this time. Maybe he is uh, trying to live a different life. Maybe he's sitting there talking about God. Oh my goodness. What? What is? What's with him? it's about change man it's uh love service and that to me that boils down to change because i didn't know anything about love or service before and i didn't care about love or service now i care about it i'm learning to to care about it but you know i started off doing cuz i had to and now it's just like second nature i i love people you know cuz they're like me i love people in the groups I go to because they're drug addicts and they're alcoholics just like myself and uh, you know service I, that's the way I combat the root of my problem is, is by constantly helping people by doing little things by doing uh, big things and it's just over and over again I just have to keep doing that if I want to remain sober and if I want to remain happy and that's what this all boils down to that uh and another, another big message I got, this is a message with, uh, you know, the first message I got from the book I was reading is, is there's a solution. And the second message now that is most important to me is that I don't have to drink or get high because I'm a flawed human being. It talks about spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Well, I strive for perfection, but I fall way short. And you know, that means I don't have to hold on to that and beat myself up and get high over it. That means I'm a human being That I'm going to make mistakes that I don't have to use or whatever to uh, medicate my feelings. And feeling my feelings, that's like a new concept for me today, too. When I'm sad, talking about it. When I'm happy, talking about it, too. Because either way, you know, I, I'm... At all times, whether or not the compulsion's been lifted, as it has for me, I'm still an inch away from getting high again. If I stop going to meetings, if I stop helping people, if I stop uh, reading the the book I'm reading, man, it's going to go down. I'm going to go down. And, uh, you know, I really don't uh, think that I have... uh, any more shots? I think I've used up my last uh, few relapses, and the next one, I'm f- afraid—God forbid—the next one, I'm gonna that. I'm gonna die. So really, service and love, or you know, service especially, is like the uh, the way I, I uh, keep myself happy and, and sober today. And. I'd like to thank you for letting me serve you.
4: Well, I could have been sick, I could have died. There was a brand new star. Suddenly I was taken to new and far away places and the beauty. there Just let me be. I was in the hand of them. Even out there on the street.
1: Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Magnificent Obsession True Stories of Recovery. You can contact us via email at nader, that's N A Y D E R, nader at AOL.com. This program is produced by Jim Nader with production assistance provided by Jerry Sheridan. Special thanks to Lowell Miles, Chicago Public Media.
4: Rolling. One. Two. This has been a production of Nader Communications.
0: This program was a rebroadcast from the archives of Jim Nader's NPR syndicated series, Magnificent Obsession. Support for Magnificent Obsession, True Stories of Recovery from Alcohol and Drug Addiction, is provided by the LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management. The LRC Group provides comprehensive wealth management services and investment counseling. For more information, 800 879 3246. The LRC Group at RBC Wealth Management, member NYSE SIPC. Further support is provided by the Body Law Firm. The Body Law Firm provides comprehensive legal representation in the practice areas of commercial litigation, criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. For more information, 630-573-8585.